Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. We are on week 17, going through the book of 1 John, starting chapter 5. And I think we only have three weeks total until we're on to Second John. So, First John chapter 5. And so far, as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of a recap. So far, um, it's been kind of a self-assessment, I guess you could say. What John is wanting us to do, to look in the mirror and find assurance of our salvation in the things that we can see, the things that we're demonstrating. He wants us to look in the mirror and see, are we living as Christians? Or are we just professing to be something we're not? Really, so far, it's been a lot of a look in the mirror, self-assessment. And now, what we're going to see in just a few minutes, in chapter 5, I think, in some ways, the way John's writing the, the assessment gets flipped to now assessing the lives of others, and after assessing their demonstration of Christian character, then accepting them and bringing, um, or seeing that they're a part of the family and loving them accordingly. So it, it really shifts where before it was, am I? Am I demonstrating the fruits of genuine salvation? And now, because you are, the assessment has switched, now because you are, I have a call to love you and to see you as the family of God just as much as I have right to be in the family of God through Christ. And so let me read the passage, and I think you'll see a little bit of what I'm talking about, and we'll jump into considering these things this morning. Are you there? First John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, this is what the Word of God says. And notice, by the way, there's three everyone who's statements. The clause, everyone who, dot, 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 three times. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him or born of God. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We're going to pause there. That's where we're going to look this morning and really camp out in these five verses for some time. Let me read a quote from a movie and see if you know what I'm talking about. It's actually a dialogue between two men. Honesty You want honesty? Okay, honestly, I think you're nothing. Nothing but a waste of God-given talent. You don't listen to nobody. Why should I give a hoot about you? Huh? Or anyone else out there? Why don't you tell you, your white buddies, to block for Rev better? Because they haven't blocked for him or Blood Nickel, and you know it. I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team? What team? No. No. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look out for myself 
and I'm going to get mine. You want to know it? Remember the Titans. Conversation between Gary, Bertier, the captain, and Julius Campbell. It's a story, if you don't know, of Remember the Titans. It's a story of uh, schools being integrated during segregation times. So a lot of black boys in the school and their school move over to start playing school with white boys. And there's a lot of tension, especially between the two captains, Julius and Gary. And what we end up finding is by the end of the story, if you haven't watched it yet, I'm about to spoil it, but kind of your fault. It's been out for a long time. Um, So what you find is they end up, despite all their differences, all despite their, obviously, skin color, but far deeper than that, their, their life experiences, their opinions, despite all of that, they're able to find deep-rooted brotherhood and a bond with one another where they love one another and you can see them just crying at the end together. John's heart, I think in these five verses, more importantly than John's heart, God's heart in these five verses, is that we, the church, can display an even stronger bond under Christ and in Christ than what those boys shared. That we would find that kind of bond. Yes, having our differences. Yes, having our disagreements. Yes, having our frustrations with one another. And yes, even being offended at times. Still having an unbreakable bond unbreakable love for one another. So how can we have such kind of unity and and, and love for one another given all of our differences, disagreements, frustrations, and offenses? Well, John here with the, I think he kind of outlines it with the three different everyone who clauses. I think John gives us three truths which think ultimately build on top of one another, which lead to us having a deep unity and love and strength with one another at the end of verse 5. Three statements that lead to three truths building off of one another that would lead you and I to love one another despite our differences and disagreements, frustrations and offenses. So that's where we're going this morning. So what are these three truths? Well, the first one is this. You ready? If someone believes in Jesus, that he is the Christ, then they are in the family of God. If someone believes in Jesus, that he is the Christ, then they are a part of the family of God. That's the first part of verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Foundational truth. Truth number one. If they believe, they're in the family. We have to know that. What does he mean by Believe. Let's pause and consider that. That's important, isn't it? It really matters what he means by that, because that's the gate. That's the doorway into the the family. Well, believing in something is different than knowing something. You believe that? Do you know that? (laughs) Believing Believing is different than knowing. And he actually distinguishes the two. If you look in chapter 4, just one chapter before, verse 16, I believe it is. He says, so we have come to know and to believe 
distinct from one another, the love that God has for us. So obviously John sees belief as different than just an intellectual knowledge that Jesus is the Christ. So if we're going back to verse 1, you can know theoretically that God loves you. Theoretically, God is a loving being, but never hang on to it. Believe it. Satan knows who God is, right? Satan knows God exists. Satan knows that Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. Satan knows that Jesus died for our sins. He knows God's awesome power, his infinite existence, and he rejects God. He doesn't believe in God. It's different than knowing God or about God. Believing is something that you do if you trust. Believing in is trusting in, relying on. Right? I'll give you an example. So I, I went to uh, move some stuff up from my parents' house to our house like two weeks ago. If you've noticed, I've been selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace. That's that stuff. And so um, I needed a trailer to put it all in there. And um, I don't want to get my dad in hot water, but um, I don't always trust his equipment, okay? And I needed his trailer, and I said, Dad... Is your, tra- is, is your trailer like, titled? Like, you start with titling, and then we'll get to licensing. Like, is it, does it have a title? Okay, does it have a license? Okay, does it have brake lights? You know, I'm just going like, through these things. And he goes, son, st- yes. Okay. I believe you. W- what am I saying? I'm going to act according to what you're telling me. Right? So it's not just like a, okay, good to know, thanks dad for that information. No, 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 it's knowing it, but it's actually like acting accordingly, right? So I actually went and I used the trailer and I drove back with it, banking on him actually telling me the truth and it actually being the case. It wasn't just the head knowledge, it was a acting accordingly, it was a trusting in and a relying on, I believed him, right or wrong, to do that, but I did, and it's true with believing that Jesus is the Christ as well. It's far more than a head knowledge. So I guess as you're assessing in your own life, do I believe in Jesus? I'm not asking you, do you know that he exists? Do you intellectually think that he actually did come, die, and rise again? I'm not asking intellectually what you think about that. To believe that Jesus is the Christ is to trust in, to rely on his atoning death for your eternity, and to live accordingly, to serve him, to worship him, to submit to him, and to obey him. That is what it means to believe. John says, if someone does that, trust in, lives according to, that Jesus is the Christ, then they're in the family, right? That, that's, we don't have to do a whole lot of surgery on this sentence to see his point. Everyone who really does that, that believes, is a part of the family of God. Doesn't that open up the family to many types of people? This would then include a lot of different personalities, personalities that you don't drive with and I don't drive with. This would then, if it's just this, 
it would include people that look different than you and look different than I, that dress different than you, or in a way that maybe even isn't respectable in your eyes. It would include them, right? You'd do that and believe that Jesus is the Christ. This would include then some people with different political opinions than you. Did I say it out loud? That have a different opinion than you on immigration laws, on the wall. Have different opinions than you on health care. Mask, no mask. This criteria, standing alone, would allow them to have a different opinion than you on international trading and buying American or not. Somebody that has a different opinion than you on gun laws and gun restrictions. Pro-war, anti-war can both fit in this camp. This would include people with different interpretations of passages in Scripture, wouldn't it? Secondary issues, passages about church leadership, how church should be ran, about end times, about alcohol, about tattoos, about spiritual gifts, are they for today or are they not, about music in the church, about Calvinism, Arminianism, about baptisms, should it be babies or believers? This criteria allows for that, doesn't it? It includes people with different denominational affiliation, Presbyterians, Assemblies of God, Methodists, Christian Church, Anglican, others. Now, since I've got everyone all frustrated with me, I want to give a caveat, okay? I am well aware, would absolutely affirm that there are biblical interpretations, political views, denominations, which are inconsistent with Orthodox Christianity. Absolutely. And by that I mean it is not possible to land in certain areas on those issues or in those categories, and still be a Christian. Totally agree. But it very well could not be the one that you're all fired up about. Okay. There are biblical interpretations that would exclude you from Christianity. Absolutely. There are denominations which are absolutely apostate from Christianity. There are political views which are impossible to have while still being a Christian. But there's a lot still. That's the point that we're making, isn't it? There's still much room for diversity still within those categories, political views, denominations, biblical interpretations, personality. There's still a lot of diversity, isn't there? Even with that caveat. And knowing how diverse the family of God can truly be really matters. Because it leads to what John says for a second point, the last part of verse 1. Everyone who loves the Father, that's you, if you're a Christian, loves whoever's been born of Him. You see how these points build on each other? Point one, if they believe that Jesus is the Christ, they're in the family of God. Point two, if you love God, you love them. Tracking with me? 
you love the family of God if they're in the family of God. This is a message. It's a message that people have always needed to hear, right? Love one another. Love others in the church that are different than you, right? Because there's always been that person, maybe you know them or maybe that is you sometimes, that would say, I'm a Christian, but you have no need, you don't think at least, no desire to involve yourself with the church, but you claim to love the Father. I meet God out in the field. That's where I meet Him best. Not in the pews, but the rest of His family. You know that person? Are you that person? John doesn't know that Christian. God doesn't know that Christian. Because Christians that love the Father, people that love the Father, love the church, love His people. I think this is especially, though, timely in a post-COVID world. Can I say post-COVID world? Are we officially post-COVID? Yeah? All right. It's especially helpful in a post-COVID world, right? Because there are individuals that would say, well, I'm a Christian, but I do so much better watching on the screen while I'm on the couch. Or there's churches that would say, we're a Christian church. Join our online campus where you'd never interact with the rest of the church face-to-face. And John says, that actually doesn't work with God's theology that if you love the Father, you also love being with His people. Point two builds off of point one. If they believe that Jesus is the Christ, no matter how different they are than you in all these other areas, if they believe that He's the Christ, he's in the, they're in the family, point two, if they're in the family... You're to love them, and by love them, interact with them, live life with them. Side note, I just don't understand the the individual that says, well, I can love them, but I don't got to like them. Don't want to ever see them. Got to love them, that's fine, but I don't got to like them. I'm just imagining somebody say that, and I'm going for my notes, I shouldn't do this, but like, I'm just imagining somebody coming up to me and saying that about my bride. Like Isaac, you know, I get it, I got to love Sarah, but... I just don't got to like her. I don't ever want to see her. And then I'm like, okay, that's what you're doing with God. I get it, God. I love him. I'll have to love him. But I sure don't have to like him. I just, I don't know, and side note, but I'm going back to my notes. It just doesn't make sense. Loving him means living life with him. John's saying you can't claim to love God if you only want an arm-length relationship with his bride, right? Is that a far-fetched understanding of, I don't think so. You can't claim to love God and want an arm-length relationship with his church. Important uh, question then is, okay, well, how do we love those in the family? How do, we, how do we love those in the family? What does that look like? Luckily, John helps us out. He answers that in the next two verses by saying, you love God and His commandments first. That's how you love them. You love God. He says, by this we know that we love the children of God. Okay, good, helpful. I'm supposed to love them. How do I do that? By this we know that you love the children of God. When we love God and obey His commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. 
Now, I don't want to be confusing. I hope I don't confuse you. But I've been confused all week, so I kind of wanted to share it with you. Okay, so trying to figure this out. It seems backwards to me a little bit. I've talked a little bit about this with some of you already. It seems backwards, doesn't it? Just kind of. It makes more sense to say, we know that we love God when we love his church. Right? And that's what he says in verse 1. And that, that, that makes crystal clear sense. I can tell that you love God because you're loving his people. Absolutely. But then you flip it. I can tell you love his people by the way you love him. I'm like, okay, that's more of a head scratcher. Let me think on that. You tracking with me? By this we know that you love them when you love him. I think the point that he's making is that they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. That is that you can't love with one without loving the other. You can't love God without loving his church, verse 1. You can't love his church without loving God, verse 2. They go hand in hand. You can't do one without the other. But still, verse 2, we still need to consider how will vertically loving God be proof that we love the person next to me. You still got to figure that out. How does vertically loving God prove or is evidence that I love you, the person next to me? Well, a couple things. If you love God and if you obey God, you automatically are loving the people around you because you're giving them a godly example. The way, when I love him, that's automatically going to be loving you because you're seeing that example, that godly lifestyle, that, that obedience to his commandments. You're seeing that demonstrated, and by demonstration, I'm showing love to you. That's the first way I think that we can understand verse 2. But then secondly, if you love God first, vertically, I'm going to do for you what you need, even if you don't ask for it. Or I'm going to say what you need to hear, if you don't, even if you don't want to hear it. That's like every week, right? That's me loving you because I'm loving him first. This is how we know that you love the church, the children of God, when you obey his commandments, even if they don't want you to do that. Right? Quit telling me these things. I don't want to hear it. It's proof. Me, me obeying God is proof that I love you. I have to do it. right? And he just gives a side note to this rabbit hole that he's kind of going down. Obeying God's commandments, and this is really important, by the way, because I think it might apply to many people in this room. It affects me, certainly. Obeying God's commands, especially the really hard ones, the uncomfortable ones, they're not a burden for the Christian. They're hard, but they're not a burden. That's what he says in the last part. And his commands, he just gives this like little side note. By the way, his commands aren't a burden. Not for the church, not for the Christian. They're difficult, certainly. It's like carrying a cross. But it's not a burden. He says, yeah, I want you to carry that cross. It's difficult, but my yoke is easy. It's not a burden. How can something difficult not be a burden? because it's flowing from a heart that loves God and wants to do it, right? 
It's coming from a heart that loves God and wants to do it. God doesn't want your obedience if it's coming from a bored, annoyed, or indifferent heart. Let me just say that again. God doesn't want your obedience if it's coming from, if it's spewing out of a bored, indifferent, frustrated, annoyed heart. It's called legalism. And it's enslaving and it's anti-gospel. No, no, no. He wants your obedience as it comes out of a joy, a genuine joy to obey him, to follow him, to serve him, to call him master, even when it's hard to want to do it because I love him more than I love comfort. God's children obey out of a heart that loves and cherishes his commands. Okay, that was the rabbit hole. How do we love? That's all underneath point two, right? That if you love God, you love the person in the family of God. Let's step back out of that rabbit hole, okay? And let's just be honest for a second. Sometimes it's still really difficult to love that person which frustrates me and rubs me the wrong way, right? Like, I get it, the process so far, John, that if you, if they believe, then they're in the family of God, and if they're in the family of God, I'm supposed to love them. I get, I get your, your, your thought process, but still, it's sometimes really difficult to do that. Can I get an amen? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. That'd be really bad. Like, amen! <laughs> but it's, I mean, we're human, Right? We're human. I think we're only able to love one another in the family of God by remembering the third truth that he gives us. In verses 4 and 5, let me read it. It says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that we have overcome the world, our faith. Who is him that overcomes the world except the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? What's the third point? They're in the family of God. They are equally victorious in Christ as you are. That's how you are able to love them, even when they're frustrating. They're in the family of God. You are to love them. Well, God, that's really hard to do. Remember that they're no different than you in the eyes of God. They are equally victorious. To the Christian who struggles to love the other Christian. Is that you? To the Christian who sticks up your nose to other traditions and beliefs within Christianity. To the Christian who is quick to divide where it's possible to find unity. Is that you? I would say this. Remember about them that they believe the same Jesus Christ to be their Savior and the Son of God. They have a faith that is no less powerful or transforming than your faith. You stand before God with no merit greater than theirs because their merit is in Christ just as yours is. They have the same victory over death that you proclaim, and it's no less effectual. They have also been called as a child set apart as heirs to the same inheritance 
that you have. That's how you love them when they're frustrating. We're the same. That's how. That, that's how. We're the same. And since they're just like you and I, on the same grounding as you are before the Father, we should be able to see them as equals and love them accordingly. You know, I, uh, before here I was pastoring in Springfield at, in an AG church and uh, ended up leaving because just too many differences theologically for me and um, a lot of different things that I just said, I, I just can't operate pastorally in, in the Assemblies of God. And so, um, obviously moved here. And, but I, I served alongside uh, a brother, another pastor. I had multiple pastors on staff with me, and, and one of them, I don't think we could have been further apart. In personality, certainly. Uh, just so different from one another. But even more than that, just a difference of philosophy of ministry, how should ministry be done, theological standpoint, secondary, but still theological like interpretations of Scripture. We were just so different, are so different. But he and I grew such a bond in our time pastoring together. Same God, same Savior, same victory, same redemption, same inheritance, same glory to look forward to. It's my brother. We're so different, but unity. And it should be no different with the person sitting next to you or across the room or the person sitting in a worship service down the street if it's within a biblical church and they're a part of the family of God. So, Please know this. The church is an exclusive group of people. I said that right. The church is an exclusive group. And if you've been told otherwise, you've been lied to and misled. The perimeters are not political, though. The perimeters are not denominational. The perimeters are not stylistic. The perimeters are not personality types. The perimeters are Christological, centered on who Jesus is as Christ. See that safe? Do you believe and serve the Jesus of the Bible? If you don't, that is the door. That is the door into the family of God. Today's a great day to step through that door, to believe, not know, trust, rely on, live according to Him as Christ. Belief is more than an actionless knowledge. It's a trust that's shown. And if you feel God leading you to have that in Christ, I'd love to talk to you pray with you. There will be people up in the front that would like to pray with you, even after service if you don't want that pressure. But today would be a great day to walk through that door of believing in, trusting in Jesus as Christ, Messiah, Savior from your sins. And church, Christians, within those parameters, we're to be a family. 
unconditionally love one another. Amen? We show this love to one another because it's the love that God shows us. And so we're just mirroring that so the world can see and say there's something different. I want a part of that. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.